Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. Well, good morning, church. And, um, well, it's a pleasure to be able to join with you all and share the Word of God as we will this morning. And despite the fact that we're in lockdown again, um, it's still a, uh, a joy to be able to come together to worship, to fellowship in to the degree that we can, but at least we're fellowshipping around God's Word, amen, in the presence of God. And God's not limited to a lockdown. And so... Uh, we can rejoice in that. So as we come together, we have a sense of His Spirit that is with us. And so we want to be encouraged by the Word of God this morning. Now, uh, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. It's a familiar psalm to many, I'm sure. And we want to consider just a few aspects of it this morning. But uh, as I myself was just meditating upon some of these truths that are contained within this particular psalm, it was upon my heart to share it this morning, because uh, really, it's a, as, well, as much as it's a teaching, it's a meditation upon some, re- some of the realities that surround the uh, God himself that, and his association uh, to us, to you and I as individuals, And so when we consider the times in which we live and the uncertainty of the times that we're in and the times that are ahead and that which is to come, which the Bible prophesies and speaks of, it is critical that uh, we continue to draw near to God and remain close to Him. Now you'll remember last time I did speak, um, I spoke about knowing God in these last days it's a critical it's critically important that each of us are in intimacy with God that we are fellowshipping close to God um, and so I want to build on that thought this morning and so this time not in the context of us knowing God that's what we kind of considered last time but I want to look at the flip side of that this more uh, this morning in the fact that God knows us and in knowing us uh, we need to know that and understand that for ourselves and so we're going to consider this as it's revealed to us in the Word of God just how much does God love us how much how deep is his care and concern for you and I Um, how often does God think of us I mean these are important questions And they have biblical answers. God has spoken. God has revealed these things to us specifically in his word. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take the word of God and I want to apply it personally and individually to each of us as we consider the glorious truths that are being expounded and meditated upon by David in this particular psalm. You see, God cares for us individually. And this is an understanding that you must comprehend for yourself individually as well. You see, the question sometimes arises, how can 
the God of heaven and earth, when you consider the vastness of how big the heavens are and the earth and all that's going on in the earth at any moment of time, how can God be so deeply, personally and individually concerned with me as an individual? And so the, sometimes we think, well, God doesn't really care about me. He really can't really be thinking of me right now in the midst of everything. But the fact of the matter is, is that he does. And it's important that you understand that. That, it, that, that what we're going to deal with this morning deals with the reality that God loves you. God is concerned for you. God thinks about you. And so the question or... I should say, well, it is a question, but the title of my message this morning are words that are found within the text itself when we read it in just a moment. But it is this, and that my soul knows very well. And that my soul knows very well. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we have to be fully convinced we have to be fully persuaded in our own hearts and in our own minds that God loves me, that God is concerned about me, that God is mindful of me. And so this might sound a little self-orientated and centered this morning, but as we go through it, you'll see that it's, it, it's not. And I'll show you that. But it is important that each of us understand, because Paul the Apostle himself said, that he was persuaded that if God is for us, who can be against us? See, God is for us. God is for you individually. And so you are the focus of his love. You are the focus of his attention, as we will see in the word of God. And your soul must know this truth, must grasp this reality for yourself this morning. So let's read our text. And I want to look at Psalm 139. And we want to read from verse number 13. So follow with me through, uh, through to verse 18. The Bible says, this is David speaking. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all, or they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Amen. God bless the word this morning. Quicken it, God, to every heart and to every hearer this morning that is gathered together with us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, David makes this statement, Marvellous, oh marvellous, are your works. And so I want to just establish the context rather than go through the whole psalm itself. It's quite um, meaty. But the context is David is writing and he is in deep contemplation. He's in deep contemplation at how the God of heaven and earth has a perfect and complete knowledge of himself. Okay, now that's, this is what he's dealing with. The, the, the God of heaven and earth 
has a complete understanding, has a complete and perfect knowledge of all of mankind, but in this case, he's personalizing it and individualizing it to himself. And so this is important because what David is doing by internalizing this truth and individualizing it, this is what we want to do to ourselves this morning. See, David is acknowledging the awesome nature and the glorious nature of God that is beyond human understanding. And he says in verse number six, he makes this statement. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attainment attain it so in other words as he as he wrestles with this thought the fact that god is all knowing the fact that he is everywhere at the same time when david considers the reality that he understands his thoughts his movements every aspect every finer detail of his life he's in awe of this he's overwhelmed and he says that such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't grasp this. And that's true, isn't it? The human mind tries to uh, comprehend divine thoughts and divine realities. And though we can get glimpses and short understanding of, or, or, of these things, to fully comprehend them is beyond the human mind. I mean, the fact that God is omniscient, meaning that he is uh, all knowing he knows everything he is omnipresent which means that he is everywhere at the same time and when you consider that he's he, he's omnipresent if you when you consider that he is omniscient then you begin to understand he knows everything about you jesus said he, that god knows the very hairs on our head and whether they are small or many God knows exactly how many there is. I mean, we're talking about fine details. And that can make some people a little bit uncomfortable because the Bible says that we are naked before him. Nothing is hidden from your sight. God knows our thoughts. He knows every aspect of our lives. And so we need to acknowledge that as David is and realize that God is concerned about you and I. God is everywhere. And so David is considering this reality, but he now shifts as he begins to speak. As he goes through the particular psalm, you can read it for yourself in verses 1 to 12, where he talks about there's nowhere that I can go that's away from your presence. If I go here, if I send there, you're there. If I go here, you're there. You're just nowhere. You can't hide. And so as David acknowledges this, he makes the statements that we have, have read in our text in verse 13. And it's a, it's, a, it's a fact that the whole, many in this world are so ignorant of, but it's something that is precious to the child of God, something that's critical to our understanding. And it's in verse 13 where he makes this statement. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You see, David is now realizing that God is involved not only in every aspect of his life as an adult, but now he's coming back to the creation of when he came into being and he's acknowledging that you formed me in the inward parts. You are the one that uh, was present in my mother's womb. Now think about that. That's a profound thought. You see, 
We're talking now about the womb. You see, we're living in a world that de devalues human life. We're living in a world where abortions are taking place in the thousands daily across the world, where people are disassociating the fact that inside that womb is a life. That life is not just in, impersonal. It's not just a fetus, as it's sometimes referred to. But we're talking about God's creation in the womb. And when you begin to acknowledge it as such, we're dealing now with the fact that though man is destroying life in the womb, because that's what abortion is, you're killing it, you're aborting it. If it wasn't alive, you wouldn't have to kill it. And secondly, we're dealing with the fact that God is the creator of life. God is the one in that place who creates. And this is important for us to understand because God is the one, David says, you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You see, God not only made us in the physical sense, but we're talking now in the fact that we are created in the image of God and we have a soul. And so we're talking not just about the physical dimension of life, but rather the spiritual dimension of life that is associated with that. We're dealing with a soul here. And who you are, you're not like the person next to you or around you. We are all individually made. And so we must take the time to contemplate these things. And as David is doing that, he is overwhelmed by that reality. And he says in verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Marvelous are your works. You know, human birth church is a miracle. Human birth is a miracle. That's why David uses the word marvelous are your works. See, it's important because that Hebrew word marvelous, it means to distinguish, to separate. You see, the fact is, mankind today, they might be able to, in a test tube, be able to, through, through uh, human intervention, take um, uh, the egg of a woman, the sperm of a man, and they can manipulate to try and create life. But they can't create life. They're just taking what God has created and manipulating it in that sense. But you see, the law of life still applies, to, and God is the creator of life. That's, that's, the why, that's why these things can even eventuate and even happen. You see, because man cannot create life. Marvelous are your works. You see, what we are dealing with is a miracle of creation. When God forms an individual, man can't form, man can't create. He can manipulate aspects that God has set in, in order, but that's as far as it goes. He cannot be creative in that sense that God is and, and God does. And so the conception of a child is a miracle. The birth of a child is a miracle. The is, is this. You are a miracle. David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you need to have that understanding this morning that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I am a miracle. I am created by God. See, this is where an individual gets their self-worth from.
You're not going to get your self-worth from the world. The world chews you up. It spits you out. It's only concerned about itself, each for their own. And so for in many ways, if you're looking for your identity out there, if you're looking for your identity and uh, self-worth in the world, then you're going to be left high and dry because you're not going to get it from there. And you can see testimony after testimony of human suffering where people have been scarred, hurt, and, uh, you know, we have... The mental health issues of today, we have suicide, the list goes on and on and on. See, what we need is our self-worth to be centered in Christ. It's an understanding that I am created by God. You see, my worth, my self-worth doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from myself. There was that song by Whitney Houston who said that the greatest love of all is to love yourself. No, it's not. That is the furthest thing. The greatest love of all is God's love for you. The greatest love of all is understanding his love for you and appropriating that love because your identity is centered in Christ. Your identity is centered in God. Your self-worth comes from him because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, in stating that, marvelous are your works, says David, he says these words, and that my soul knows very well. I love this phrase. I love this statement. It is profound. And that my soul knows very well. Now listen to this. He says my soul knows. Or in other words, my soul comprehends. My soul understands. It knows that and it perceives this reality. But he doesn't just say that my soul knows. David says, my soul knows very well. And this is the key to what I want to uh, emphasize this morning, is that your soul, you as an individual, you must know and know it well, not just know about it and know a little bit of it. But you must know this truth, you must understand this reality, and your soul, your soul must know it very, very well. That word well means properly, completely, wholly for yourself. Now notice the phrase, my soul knows very well. You see, I can understand this truth as it applies to you this morning as I preach it. But that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough. You have to take that truth and you have to, by faith, understand it and uh, appropriate it to your life and say, you know what, I believe what God says about me, not what the world says, but what God says. And therefore, you appropriate that truth and you grasp that reality for yourself so that it is wholly yours, so that it is completely yours, that you have a proper understanding and that your soul knows this truth very, very well. And so that poses the question this morning. Does your soul know this very well? And so let us ponder that question because that's what we want to minister on this morning. This is what we want to speak to as we consider the Word of God. You see, I'm, I said from the onset, we're dealing with the fact that, we're, that God cares for you individually. And you have to know this truth in its entirety. It's not enough for you to say, well, I think so, or I, I, I suppose so. 
or um, uh, maybe, or kind of, or yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he does a little bit. No, no, no. You need to be able to say like David, I know my soul is convinced, it is persuaded, it is beyond doubt that the God loves me. God created me. My worth, my identity comes from him. Now, let's look at verse 13. I mean, actually, sorry, we've just looked at verse 13 and 14. But I want to consider with you now verse 15, because David goes a step further. And he says these words. Let's read it. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. I read verse 16, obviously, as well. But David says, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You see, the, the, the idea, that what's, uh, the, the concept that's being portrayed to us is clear. And in that secret place, <coughs> excuse me, in that secret place, Hidden from the eyes of men, in that obscure place of the womb, the Bible says that you were formed. God created you in that secret place. Now listen, he uses the word skillfully wrought. So you were not hidden from God. God was not somehow distant from you in the day of your creation. The Bible says he created you. And secondly, the Bible makes emphasis is that you were skillfully wrought by God. In other words, when you look at your unique person, when you look at who you are, don't compare yourself to others and what they may, uh, you know, what their qualities are compared to yours and vice versa. Understand that you are who you are because that's the way God created you. And this is important. You were skillfully wrought, the Bible says. Now, this means that it wasn't haphazard. It wasn't just, you know, bang, and, uh, you know, like the, like the creation, you know, it comes together by an explosion, and then all of a sudden, you know, life appears. No, it's not chaotic. It's not haphazard in the way. No, no, no. The Bible says, as the earth was created by God, so too you and I, we were skillfully wrought by God. In other words, in the Hebrew, this carries the thought that, um, that uh, to, to, to fabricate, to embroider, to, it means needlework. In other words, can you imagine the tap, a tapestry of a, of, of a needle going through with the thread and the intricacy and the detail of skillfully wroughting these things? Well, the Bible says when God formed you, you were skillfully wrought by God. And so this is not something that's just haphazard. This is not chance. This is a divine act of God to create you and make you who you are today. And so in verse 16, David says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You see, God, knows, God knew in his foreknowledge exactly how he was going to create you. He knew exactly what you would be like. And so this is comforting. This is important to understand. David says, my substance being yet unformed. 
And this is important because that word, in the, again, in the Hebrew, unformed, it literally comes from a Hebrew word called golem, and it means an unformed mass. So in other words, think of an embryo. An embryo is an unformed mass. And yet we know that what that turns out to be. That's why you find in, in the medical world, they, they don't refer to it as, as, as human life. They refer to it as a, a, a fetus because that makes it, it depersonalizes that reality. But that mass, that embryonic mass contains already within it all that God has already deposited in it. And so this is important because uh, that thing will form. So it, 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 being yet unformed, the Bible says, uh, David says, you saw my substance being yet unformed before men ever saw it, before it ever manifested, God knew exactly who you were because he created you. And this is what David is, is considering. And he says in, in, in your book, they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them you were born in a time of history you were born in a time according to god's plan and purpose and so we are at where we are at today as the, as people of god you must understand it's not coincidence no it's not haphazard you are here you are who you are by god's divine plan and order and that is the the teaching that is the understanding of the scripture it is written. Glory to God. See, we're no accident. We are no accident. I know men say, well, you know, oh, yeah, we, that was an accident. Or people were being born, they say, well, that was an accident. But you see, we're not looking at men. We're not looking at the man side of this. There's, a, there's, the, there's the human and there's the divine aspect of life. And what I'm drawing your attention to this morning is not the human element. If you base it upon the human element, well, that's part of the reason why today people have so many issues of identity. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl anymore, for crying out loud. I mean, it, the world has gone crazy. And, uh, you know, it's if God somehow got it all wrong in he, when he created you. No, no, I was really a boy. I know I'm really a girl. No, no, no. It's quite clear what you are. And so people need to understand that there's the, the, the whole human element is disassociated here. It is God has, who has created, and God's creation is clear. And so there's the divine aspect, and there's the human aspect to all of this. But you see, what happens is when people don't see God, when they don't identify this truth that we're considering, this is where people suffer greatly. And I know this personally. And various other reasons, because, you know, Satan, the Bible says his desire is to steal, kill and destroy a human life. And so he wants to devalue human life. He wants to say, you know what, you're good for nothing. He wants to say you're worthless. He wants to say no one loves you. No one really cares. If you weren't on the earth, no one would even think twice. You see, that's the lies of the enemy. That's the devaluation of life in the world. And so we have an epidemic of mental health. We have an epidemic of loneliness. We have an epidemic of depression. We have an epidemic of suicide. And what we need, amen, is as Jesus came, he says, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has caused, called me to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. You see, the, to, the Bible says that God came to destroy the works of the devil, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed of the devil. And this is the same ministry that Jesus is involved in today. This is the gospel that we preach. Hallelujah. And this is where the Christian draws their security and their confidence in God. And this is exactly what David is doing in the context of everything. He's, he's considering who he is and his identity in God. And this is what we need to do. Because what's also interesting, you'll notice that David, he's using words, he says, uh, that are individual. He says, for you covered me. So you find the words me, I, and, uh, um, and my, and so forth. These words are, uh, are, are expressed here. And they are words that are self-centered. You know, we would look at David as he says, me, myself, I, we would look at that and we say, well, David's just being so selfish. He's being so self-centered, but he's not. I know that the generation that we live in is. I understand that we are living in a generation that is self-centered, self-orientated. But what David is doing here, though he's individualizing and using these personal uh, 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 expressions, what, what David is doing is not self-centered at all, but rather it is God-centered. And this makes all the difference when it's God-centered. When you can speak of me, I, and self in light of God, that's where uh, it is uh, appropriate. That in the context in which it is right. But when you speak to the exclusion of I, and it's me, self, and I, as in the world, then what is happening is men are worshipping themselves rather than God. Men are wrapped up in themselves rather than in God. And there lies the problem with sin and so forth. But let's look at verse 17 and verse 18. David goes on and he says these words, How precious are your, also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Now think about this, because David now has considered the fact, well, God has created me. I was made intricately by him, and who I am today is a result of God. And so he is now turning his attention to the fact, and he says, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? This is, this is now taking these great truths and applying them to the present. God is thinking of me now. He didn't just think of me then, but God's deeply concerned about me now. And so he uses these words, how precious are your thoughts. Now, I want to draw your attention to that word precious again, because in the Hebrew, there's a thought that is conveyed that I want us to understand because it says, how precious are your thoughts to me. And so that Hebrew word, listen, it, when you interpret it, it means to be heavy, to be heavy, precious heavy, valuable, prized. So in other words, to take this concept of being precious in the sight of God, what God is trying to tell us through the word is that you, are, you weigh heavily upon his heart. You are highly esteemed. You are not lightly esteemed. Let me express it this way. If you have anyone in your life that is close to you, they are heavy upon your heart. You couldn't care less, really. You know, I mean, not in that exact way, but you know what I'm trying to say. You're not going to be heavy and burdened by people that you don't know. It's those that 
that are closest to you, if they suffer or if they're affected, these things weigh heavily upon your heart. Or even as a parent who has children, you, you learn the heart of God through parenting because you begin to realize when you have children and they make wrong decisions and they choose wrong paths and these things weigh heavily upon your heart. They can't not. And so the same truth applies with God in relation to you. How precious are your thoughts towards me? You are heavy in God's heart. God is deeply concerned about you. He doesn't lightly dismiss you. And this is the truth that we need to see and understand that you are occupying the thoughts of God. How precious are your thoughts? God is because you are weighing heavily on his heart. Because he loves you, because he's deeply concerned about you, the scripture says that he has thoughts about you. Now that is overwhelming when you think about it, that he has thoughts about you. You see, he says, uh, um, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them? God thinks about us more than what we realize this morning he does more than what we realize you see in verse number two of psalm 139 if you have it open david as he contemplates the reality of god's perfect knowledge of man and himself he says you know my sitting down and my rising up god knows he knows every detail you understand listen you understand my thought afar off God understands and sees your thoughts and this is important because sometimes our thoughts are not what they should be sometimes our thoughts about God are not what our should they should be sometimes we view God and think about God in a manner that is contrary to the reality of who God is and how God uh, is, is, is thinking of us. Some people will say, well, look, God can't love me. God doesn't care about me. These are some of the things that we can think in our heart or even express. But you see, this morning, the Bible says, how precious are your thoughts towards me? And David even goes as far as to say, if I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Now think about that. They would be more in number than the sand. Do you know how if you've stood on a beach and you've seen the sand of the seashore, there are literally millions and millions, billions of sand particles. And yet the Bible is using an illustration for us to comprehend God's thought towards us and the fact that David says they are more in number than the sand. That's how much God thinks about you. That's how precious his thoughts are towards you. And I want to just illustrate this as I bring it to a conclusion this morning. And I want to share with you a couple of scriptures in the, the, the book of Isaiah and in the book of Jeremiah. But before I read it, I want to make the fact and point out the context so that we can understand. God is speaking in both these instances to the children of Israel. And they have their application to the children of Israel and also to the present and future plans that God has for the nation but at the same time remember clearly that what the Bible says is this in in Paul says in Corinthians he makes it clear that when he makes reference to Israel 
and he makes reference to the Old Testament when we look at God and his dealings with Israel the Bible says that these things were written for our admonition they were written for our instruction they were examples to us and so when you look at Israel not only do we get an understanding of human nature but when we look at God's response to Israel we get an understanding of how God thinks towards us and so I want in light of that I want to read these two scriptures and I want to read firstly in a book of Isaiah chapter 55 so you can go there or read it on your screen as it comes up Isaiah 55 Verse number six, <clears throat> God says, Seek the Lord, while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For, verse eight, For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts now again having read that i want you to understand the context isaiah the prophet is speaking and this god is speaking through him and it's an invitation to israel and by extension it's an is an invitation to the sinner it's an invitation to the saint to the, it's an invitation to Israel who had sinned against God. It's an invitation to the Christian who has sinned against God. And God can forgive. This He says, I will pardon. Because the nature is, is when we are condemned, when we think, well, I've fallen short, I've failed God, I've sinned against God, how can God forgive me? How can God love me? Well, you see, this is an invitation by God to abundant life in this particular text. And God is telling you and I that to seek him and to call upon him while he may be found. Because God says, I will have mercy on you. I will forgive you if you will call upon me. And more than that, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You might be thinking, you know what, it's over. I, it, how can, I can't go on. I can't be forgiven. You don't understand. But you see, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And so if God says that he's willing to forgive, if there's that he's willing to pardon and wants to show you mercy, then it is imperative that you understand the nature and love of God and that you repent and you come to God and you accept his love and forgiveness in your life because his thoughts are for you. Now turn with me to Jeremiah and I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 50, uh, 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Now again, people make the point that this has got to do with Israel as a nation. And by, uh, absolutely it does. But it's not only exclusive to Israel as a nation. It has a promise to you and I. It speaks to you and I. Because the reality is, as Israel was in captivity to Babylon because of their disobedience to God, God is speaking to them in a state where they have been under the judgment of God, where they have been uh, judged by the Lord for their rebellion and bringing them back. He's wanting to bring restoration. And so listen as we read uh, from chapter 29, verse 10. I'll, I'll read it from there. It says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you. And perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. 
So that's the context. Now listen to what he says. Verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, that's the, that's the heart of God. Though he, though he slays, amen, he restores. That's the, this is the revelation. He brings back his banished ones, the Bible says. This is the mercy of God. And so he, it says, <coughs> God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your, all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from among the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, I said to you before, God is speaking to Israel, but the, the principle that God is revealing to Israel applies to the child of God. And it applies to, to us as his people. And God says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, God wants to give us a future and a hope. God will forgive. He will pardon if we will humble ourselves and repent and confess our sin before him. And so I want to encourage you this morning that when, the, when David says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God, I'm demonstrating to us this morning that they are heavy. They are deeply precious. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Our thoughts need to align with the thoughts that God has. How do we know his thoughts? You read the Bible. You read the scriptures. And the Spirit of God quickens these words to your spirit and to your heart. And by renewing of your mind, you are transformed. And God, amen, uh, reveals his thoughts to us through his word. That's why it's important. If you don't read the word, then you'll remain ignorant of his thoughts until your own detriment, until your own personal suffering. So I encourage you this morning to read the word and to pray and to draw near to him. You see, David has realized this morning just how wonderful God is. He has realized and expressed in this psalm how God thinks about him how he how god views him and we need to understand as god's children that section and he says when i awake i'm i'm still with you when i awake i'm still with you and i say to you this morning god is with you jehovah shammah the Lord is there, the Bible says. And we need to take great comfort and confidence this morning from this truth. And so I put forth the question again, which is the title of this sermon, which David states in verse 14 when he says, And that my soul knows very well. Can you say the same words that David said this morning? Can you declare in joy, in faith, in victory, and that my soul knows very well. May God bless you all this morning. Oh Lord my God